Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, y'all. Hey, I hope all you guys are doing great today. Uh, since the beginning of the year, as most of you guys know, we have spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, what it means really to live an intentional life. And generally speaking, I want to continue to run in that same direction this morning. Uh, but in a more specific sense, what I want to do is I actually want to uh, want us to turn our attention to what I believe is one of the greatest hindrances uh, that keeps us from living the way Jesus wants us to live. And so uh, what I want to do and how I want to start is I want to actually read a familiar passage of Scripture and uh, we're going to read it in its context, we'll read it in its entirety, and then we're going to swing back to the top, and then we'll walk through it together, uh, kind of piece by piece. And, um, and yeah, so let's read it, and we're going to pray one more time. Luke chapter 8 says this, says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall or a storm came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And it says, and they were in great danger. Verse 24 says, the disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided or it ceased and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word, God. We thank you, God, that your word is still alive and is still powerful and is still moving. And so, Lord, today we choose to just simply open up our hearts to your word. And we ask as we do that, God, that your Holy Spirit will begin to move in our hearts. God, we pray that any hindrance that might keep us from hearing today would be removed. God, we press in. We lean into you today, God, with hearts that are open, that are teachable. And, Lord, we just simply ask that you would take this really simple message, that you would fill in the blanks, and, Lord, that you would help us read between the lines and you would speak loud and clear in Jesus name we pray amen all right let's go back to the top verse 22 it says one day Jesus said to his disciples let us go over to the other side of the lake can somebody say other side so listen, after walking with Jesus for 25 years, um, there's one thing I am certain of, and that is this, is that there's always an other side with Jesus. Now, what that other side might be, uh, you know, will vary from one person to the next, but there's always an other side that he is trying to lead us to. As an example, that other side could be something that pertains to simply a particular area of growth in our character, that he's trying to lead us into an area where we look more like him. It could be how we think about him, how we think about ourselves, or how we think about others. In other words, he's trying to lead us into a new way of thinking. It could pertain to our emotions, it could pertain to our faith, where he's actually trying to lead us into some, uh, once again, some greater measure of maturity and greater measure of intimacy. It could pertain to our family, it could be about a walk of forgiveness or walking in love and he can even touch on areas like our productivity in our daily task our short-term goals or our long-standing purpose for our life or even learning how to manage our time better 
like we've been talking about recently. In other words, I'm just trying to get your mind rolling simply of what the other side might look like for you because once again, it can vary from one person to the next. But the main point that I'm wanting us to grab a hold of here is this, is that the other side speaks simply to any area of our lives that we just know in our heart of hearts that God is wanting to move us forward in. So the, in other words, that we are currently here, and he is trying to take us there, and that's the other side. So with that question in mind, just real quick this morning, do you know what that other side might be for you? Like, where's he currently trying to lead you? Because it is impossible to do life with Jesus without him trying to call you higher. Amen? So now another question I think of equal importance that really needs to be asked is this is have you agreed to get into the boat yet? Like why? So he can get you there. In other words, it's impossible for him uh, to get us to our other side right without our agreement in the matter. Like he won't, he won't kidnap you and force you to get in the boat and drag you to the other side. It's not how he works. Amen? All right, so let's pick the story back up. Please look at verse 22 again. It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. Can somebody say set out? So once we know where he is trying to lead us and once we come into agreement with what he is wanting to do, the next step is to set out. In other words, it is to simply wake up every morning with our mind made up that we're going to do our best to, uh, to head in that, that direction, right? That, that other side that he's wanting to take us to. In other words, that once again, that we are our current spot, we're here and, and we basically uh, trying to get a, our, our hearts in a position. We say, okay, Jesus, I want what you desire for me over here, which is the other side. All right. So just a quick question here. Am, am I the only one that's ever noticed uh, that, that, that that's just never that easy to get from here to there? Right from point A to point B. It's like there seems to always be some sort of interference, isn't there? Like always, Right. And I want you to know that uh, basically, just think about this for a moment. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, we, we really aren't that different than the disciples that we're reading about. In other words, Jesus tells us, let us go to the other side. And so like the disciples, we gladly say, yes, right? And we hop right into the boat, all smiles. We're slapping on our sunscreen. We're thinking it's like a day at the beach, right? Uh, thinking that if Jesus said, right, like if Jesus said it, you know, if Jesus said, let's go over there, we think everything's just going to be smooth sailing in between here and there. Listen, because who in their right mind ever agrees to get in a boat where there's visibly a storm of brewing? Like nobody, right? And, and the reality is if we're really honest with ourselves today is we tend to like easy. We tend to like comfort, like we like comfort, right? And so we do our absolute best to avoid the rough seas of this life. Am I right? Yeah. But let's face it, gang, uh, things rarely, and I do mean rarely, go as we plan. Right? A majority of the time, once again, we'll encounter something we weren't expecting between here and there. So after all, if you can just kind of grab a hold of this, and I don't know who this is for, but man, listen, it is easy, and I, I don't stress, it's easy to walk in the fruit of the Spirit when you live by yourself. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, it's really easy to love me, and it's really easy to be kind to me. Right? It's easy to be gentle to me. Can I get a witness? Right? Um, 
And, and it's easy to walk in forgiveness when we keep everybody at a distance. Right? And, and it's easy to accomplish everything we're trying to do if we really don't care about accomplishing anything of significance. See, listen, but things get exponentially harder when we say, you know what? I want a healthy marriage. Right? I want children who love God. Right? Then when we decide that we're going to let people in beyond surface level. Right? Or when we decide to actually say, you know what? I want to make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God. Exponentially harder. Listen, if that's the case today and you've decided that you want those things, I know some of you have, uh, just cue the weatherman. All right? Uh, because if we realize or not, we are inviting storms into our lives. Because listen, because no one is ever, I want to point out a word, no one has ever dramatically changed or transformed or grows in the easier, comfortable in life. Nobody. All right? So let's continue to read. Look at verse 23. It says, And they sailed, as they sailed, he fell asleep. Like, isn't that just wrong? Like, so Jesus, he speaks, Hey, you're here. I want you to go there. I'm going to back up for a bit. I'm going to go sleep. <laughs> Come on, man. Right? So it says, he fell asleep in a squall or a storm. Somebody say storm. Came down on the lake. Now, the word storm is defined as this. A disturbance of the normal condition. A disturbance of the normal condition. Or we could even say it's a, it's a disturbance of our comfort. Right? I, I want to I kind of go through something. It's going to take me a minute, so bear with me here. But... But I want to try to make this definition, this disturbance of our normal condition as, re, uh, as relatable as I can to our everyday life, okay? And, and so, anyways, so if you can imagine with me, basically we wake up in the morning, the sun's out, the birds are singing, right? There's not a cloud in the sky, and we decide with all the right intentions, right, in the world and making today the day that we're going to make significant strides to get to the other side. Because why? Because when we said yes to Jesus, we meant it. Right? So what do we do? We grab our Bible and our favorite coffee mug only to find out that the coffee machine isn't working right. A few minutes later of tinkering with the thing, we get it to squared away, right? No biggie. Only a small setback. A few minutes behind. Uh, now with a cup of joe in our hand, uh, we finally sit down and, and we're going to get some much needed time with Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But five minutes in, our kid walks into the room. They tell us that their, their tummy doesn't feel really good. And so they run to the bathroom to throw up, only they don't make it. Clean up on aisle three. <laughs> right? And you're the lucky chosen one that gets to go do it, right? And so, listen, 30 minutes later with your gag reflex back in order, because how many of you guys know when you're clean? Yeah, just so you know. See, listen, the, the floor is clean and disinfected. Our kids got fresh pajamas on. They're back in bed. We kind of take a deep breath. We glance over at the clock only to realize, man, if we don't hurry up, we're going to be late for work, right? And so we, we rush to get ready, we jump into the car, and instead of having some meaningful time with Jesus like we planned, uh, we have to settle for a quick prayer for the day. Anybody ever been there? So listen, once we get to work, we tell ourselves, whoo, it's crazy morning. Uh, you know, it didn't go anything like we expected, but we're at work now, so let's try to be productive and as godly as we can be. Remember, we're trying to get to the other side. So 15 minutes in, the boss comes in, 
the door, and man, he or she's in a bad mood, and everybody knows it, right? You got that guy, right? And so, listen, with everyone who pins and needles the first hour or so, man, it's kind of rough. Nonetheless, we decide to plow through some emails, but it, it seems like every time we go to hit reply, our phone rings, someone knocks on the door, or our buddy sends us a funny gift, whatever, or you get one of those, that's my favorite, one of those text messages that uh, is a group text message where you look down, and there's 132 texts on your phone. <laughs> Yes, don't put me in those. Amen. So, listen, 45 minutes before lunch, man, the phone rings. It's a customer calling. They're complaining about something that's out of your control. Obviously, we apologize for the inconvenience. We promise to make it right, but yet they still feel like they need to tell us five more times what went wrong and how bad of a company or whatever we are. Anybody ever met that person? Yes. So, during lunch, we're like, whew, I really need this break, right? Three bites into our peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, We get a text from our spouse saying, hey, the washing machine broke again. And, oh, by the way, I don't think we have money to fix it. And it's just kind of one of those reminders in that moment, the financial hardship that you've been running through lately. So back in the office, we say another quick prayer. Then we tell ourselves, in spite of the rough morning, we're going to make the best out of the rest of our day. So for the first hour, things are going smooth, right? We're being productive. We're being godly. We're being kind to the people, even the ones we don't like, right? And we show up for the 2 o'clock meeting with a handful of other employees. The fellow in the few, uh, you know, few doors down, a few offices down, he's a jerk to us, throws us under the bus in front of everyone to cover his own butt, right? And, and so now we're upset. The fruit of the Spirit's somewhere, but it's not in us. And, and to say that we're feeling unhealthy emotions is probably an understatement in that moment, Right? So finally, work is done. Hang with me. We're almost done. We, we brush off that fearful thought of what might happen if we lose our job, right? And, and so, listen, we just brush it off, shoot out the door. We're a bit irritated and discouraged, but hey, we're on our way home. We just need to swing by Hannaford's to pick up a key ingredient for the dinner that we promised our spouse we would help them cook. We go down every aisle, up and down a few, and then we finally swallow our pride, and we ask that teenager, uh, you know, whatever, where that item is at. And, and they said, hey, uh, we think we sold out of about an hour ago, but the good news is we're getting a shipping, shipment in next Tuesday. Don't y'all hate that reply? So instead, we grab a few frozen pizzas, right? And, we, and we, so we do is we pull in the driveway. We're a bit frustrated, but no, busy, big, no biggie. We tell ourselves, hey, everybody likes pizza, right? Yes, Jesus' name. All right, so listen. So at dinner, we try to go, okay, well, this is the time to engage. Let's try to check in with the family. Let's see how we're doing. Everybody's gathered around the table. But everybody keeps looking at their phone. And, and so we finally give up, and we start comparing our lives to either our neighbor or the Hallmark movie we watched last week. And after dinner, we just kind of mope in the kitchen, do our part to help clean up. And, and before we head off to bed, we check to see our phone one more time. Did we miss any emails? Did we miss any texts? And finally, we go to bed completely exhausted from a really long day. Only to wake up the next morning with a renewed hope. Y'all, please listen. That today will be the day where we'll make significant strides to get to the other side. To which we soon discover, somewhere around the time we grab our Bible and our coffee mug... That while today may be a new day, it too has its fair share of unexpected things in store for us that seem yet again to disturb our comfort. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, I'll admit that sounds a a, a whole lot depressing, right? A lot. And and it's like a spinoff of that movie that starred uh, Steve Carell and Jennifer Gardner. I don't know if you saw it. It's called Alexander the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. It's kind of what that sounds like. But, But here's the simple point that I want to make is that it doesn't necessarily 
matter that it can be something as small as our coffee machine not working or as big as some traumatic event happening in our lives. All of us, just like the disciples, face unexpected things every day that are out of our control, right? And because they are out of our control, they tend to become this key word that's been ringing in my heart for about two weeks, a distraction, <laughs> right? They become a distraction in our lives that, that have the potential of derailing us from getting to that other side if we let them. So listen, in case you're wondering, here's what distraction means. Simply means something that draws one's attention away from its original focus to a different object. Something that draws one's attention away from its original focus to a different object. In context, what we're talking about here, I mean this. That you and I wake up every morning, Jesus and the other side is our focus. Okay, I want, to, I want to be obedient. I want to do what God wants me to do, right? But before noon, we've unintentionally abandoned ship, right? Because something else, a squall, a storm, right? A distraction has happened, and now it has all of our attention. Anybody ever been there? All right, so let's see kind of by example of how the disciples respond to the storm. It says in verse 23, it says, As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall of storm came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped or being filled with water. It says, And they were in great danger. And the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. In other words, as some translations say, we're going to die. Okay? I want you to notice a, a key part of that verse. It's the very uh, second last thing. It's called the exclamation mark. Like, notice that, Right? In other words, it's kind of like this. Uh, they didn't gently wake him up and be like this. Um, pardon me, dear sir. I wish I had a British accent right now, by the way. I just so do, right? But basically, pardon me, dear sir. Sincere, sincere apologies for waking you up, master. Right? But the boys and I perceive in our spirit that we might be in a bit of a pickle. Right? And be like, and after much prayer and deliberation, you know, this is a British term, some argy-bargy, some confabulation, right? We thought it might be best if we asked you for a bit of help, right? Do you think you could spare a moment, dear sir? Because uh, we think we may die, <laughs> right? See, listen, on the contrary, these guys were absolutely freaking out, right? And I just want to kind of sit there for a moment because I think some of us can relate. We may not say it. But we do. Right? So remember, once again, distraction can be small or it can be big. But, it, but if 43 years of life has taught me anything, it is this. Is that most of us have a great ability. Okay? It's not a spiritual gift, but a great ability to turn uh, really small distractions into big ones. Right? It's like a little squall blows in from the east, right? Something unexpected instead of handling it properly. Now, now, let me maybe pause here. All distractions aren't necessarily bad things, but they are still, some good things can be distractions as well. But we're focusing on a certain angle today, okay? But, but basically, uh, you know, something unexpected happens and, and we get irritated, we get flustered, we get annoyed, we get impatient, we get angry. We go from zero to 100 miles an hour in about 2.3 seconds. Right, We freak out, and it takes us about two weeks sometimes, if you make it small and big, to kind of calm down to find zero again. Anybody been there? Yeah. So if by chance that's us, um, just quick question, have we ever stopped long enough to ask ourselves, what do all of those feelings and unfiltered words that happen in that moment produce? Like, can we think about that? 
Like, listen, almost every week in my house, I am sitting in my car with a few kids because I take all of those kids to school, except one, right? And somebody's typically dragging. Like somebody had to go to the bathroom. Somebody forgot to brush their teeth. Somebody, whatever, can't, you know, forgot their lunch. And we're sitting there in the car, and inevitably somebody's got a bad attitude because they're mad at whatever sibling that's doing what they did yesterday. Right? And, and, and I keep thinking in my head, that's great that you guys are getting all flustered, but what does it change? Does it help us get to our destination any quicker? No, it does not, right? <sighs> so I just think, I'll just ask you there, right? Like, like, once again, not only has it produced anything good, right, but does it help you get to the other side that Jesus is trying to take you quicker? The answer is no. In fact, it does quite the opposite. Right? Like, grab a hold of this. It, it, it's when, a, when a, a, a squall comes in, right? It becomes more than just a lack of comfort, but it typically turns in, or when it turns into, a full-blown distraction like it did with the disciples, we're going to die, right? It demands more than our attention. It requires our energy. Okay? And, and here's what I want to tell you just from experience, in light of everything we're talking about. When I say it requires more of our energy, it's like this. It requires more of our energy to fight against God of where he's trying to take us to just simply agree and, and go in with him, right? Like, like it requires more energy to live in wrong thinking than it does right thinking. It requires more energy to be emotionally unhealthy than it does to get emotionally healthy. I hope you hear me today, that it takes more energy to live in doubt and unbelief than it does in faith, that it takes more energy, right, to, to be worried than it does to trust Jesus, right? It takes more energy to have a jacked-up family than it does to have a healthy family. And I know both are hard, right? It takes more energy to hold on to bitterness than it does to say, Jesus, I trust you. I forgive them. Let me walk in grace. Let me walk in mercy and let me walk in love, right? Like it takes more energy to chase after every distraction of our day, good or bad, than it does to stay focused and get the job done for Jesus. Great place to say amen. You see, if we realize or not, in spite of our good intentions, if we continue to live out like these overly distracted days, right, and if we don't respond in a healthy way, uh, you know, over time, it can actually cause us to drift really far off course, right? And so much so, it's like this. If we're not careful, guys... Uh, we can end up being further away mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, right, from the other side than when the day began. Have you ever woke up in a good spot, went to bed not in a good spot? You're further away, right? So, listen, am I the only one in here that's capable of spending my energy in wrong places? I know I'm not because I've seen some of y'all. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm just kidding. Listen, so, so just kind of a question today, and really, I, I'm, I, I ask questions because basically I want the Holy Spirit to talk to us, right? Because I want us to see some things, but just kind of ask yourself, what are you spending the majority of your energy on? Is it something that pleases Jesus, or is it something that hinders you? Is it just a distraction? Or is it the wind of the Spirit that's getting us across the, the lake? 
Yeah. So let's look at verse 24. It says, the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And it says, he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. I love this portion of scripture. So listen, just a quick question. Have you ever thought about why these guys were encountering the storm? Because I want, what I want you to grab a hold of is I want you to see today why you continue to run into the things that you do. You may not know it, but I want to show you why. Okay? So listen, I think when a lot of people read this passage, they just chalk it off as kind of like, man, that was a rough day on the water. That's all it was, right? And, and Jesus got up and he rebuked the nature, right? But, but listen, by assuming that, I think we overlook uh, where Jesus and his disciples were heading. And I think that we overlook who was on the other side that they were trying to get to. So listen, if we continue to read this story in actually uh, chronological order, uh, we move from Luke 8, verse 25, over to Luke uh, chapter 8, verse 26. We discover why they were running into such opposition, and we discover maybe why we keep running into it as well. Watch this in verse 26. It says, they sailed to the region of the Gerasians. It says, which, uh, which is across the lake from Galilee. It says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. It says, for a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. Obviously, that was the demon speaking out of the man. It says, for Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Verse 30 says, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. What's the point? is when Jesus said, let us go over to the other side, it wasn't for no reason. And you got to see that anytime Jesus tells you, let's go to the other side, there's always a reason attached, right? Rather than, you know, basically, it, it wasn't some, no, some no reason. Rather, he literally, he had a divine appointment with a demon-possessed man on the other side who needed to be set free. So, listen, this wasn't your usual run-of-the-mill storm. In fact, when we actually look at the original language that this gospel was written in, we discover that this was a demonically inspired storm where a literal demon, right, a demon entity, or we could say a principality, uh, the picture that it gives in the original language, basically in their hand was hurling uh, hurricane force wind at the boat that was carrying Jesus and his disciples. That's what was happening. Okay, so when Jesus arose, he rebuked the wind and the waves. Once again, he wasn't rebuking nature. Uh, he was rebuking the demonic spirit that was behind that spiritual attack, that demonic spirit that wanted to keep that man bound, that wanted to try to keep them from actually reaching the other side. Right? So, so listen, why am I bringing this up? Is it because I think that every distraction that you and I run into, uh, you, know, it, you know, run to our lives as some, you know, demonic attack? I, I don't, Okay. But, but listen, on one hand, you know, while we have to say some things just happen in our lives because we live in a fallen world and we're broken people, right? Like we're imperfect people. Like, that, like that, that's just part of the mess, right? Uh, but on the other hand, we'd be foolish to forget that we have an enemy who will do anything to stop us from getting to our other side. Do y'all understand that? Like, like he hates you and he does not want to see you fulfill God's plan for your life. Right? 
So he will do anything. He'll throw the kitchen sink at you to keep you from actually getting to the other side. And that also includes distracting you, right? Because if he can distract you away from the thing that's the goal that Jesus put in your heart, and he gets you running in that direction, and that direction, and that direction, and that direction, guess what? He wins. Yes? So, listen, I, I just want to remind you, I, I know I say things and I repeat myself a lot. All those things are really intentional, okay? Because I'm trying to get something in us. If I can maybe pause here for a second. Uh, I heard Rick Ward say one time, he said, basically, when, when, when we are tired of saying it, the pe- preacher, the people are just starting getting it. And that when you guys are basically tired of hearing it, well, it means you're finally getting it. So we're going to keep repeating until Jesus says stop. Right? So here's the thing. We have to understand that the devil, man, that he hates seeing us trying to live intentional lives. Like he likes, he wants to see us doing all that wondering. Right? That, that he hates seeing us invest in our marriages. He wants to keep us super, super busy so we have no time with one another. Right? He hates seeing us spend time with our kids. He hates seeing us prioritize our relationship with Jesus. In fact, all I have to say is if you ever want quality time with Jesus, just know you're going to, somebody's going to come and try to interrupt you. Right? Like, it's proofs in the pudding that clearly right there. He doesn't want you to do it. It's even this. He hates seeing you have peace and joy. He hates seeing us partner with God to disciple and set people free. Right? All of us should be discipling people. But part of the reason why we don't is because we're all distracted. I don't have time. No, 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 no. You're distracted. Right? Listen, he hates seeing us, uh, you know, being loving people that are serving other people in the biblical community. In other words, he hates seeing us do life with one another. Like, if I could get anything across to people, I would say this. Anytime you're going to do life with somebody, it's going to be difficult. It just is. Right? Okay. I'm talking to myself. Here we go. So the point is, listen, he will do whatever it takes. He will do his best to distract you as much as he can and to delay you as long as he can because he knows if you get to that other side, whatever that from here to there that Jesus is trying to get you to, that you're going to be more equipped, you're going to be healthier and all those things, more whole, and you're going to be more threat to his kingdom, right? You're going to be a benefit to the kingdom of God, but you're going to be a threat to his, so he's going to try his best to distract you and delay you. Amen? All right, so... Just question here, what or who is currently distracting you? Like, what are you being distracted by? How are these distractions possibly hindering you from reaching your other side? I'm pausing because I don't want us just to breeze through this and walk out of here and not, not, not let it get us. Like it needs to stick to us like Velcro in Jesus' name. Amen? So listen, whatever today that you keep fighting against and bumping your head up against, uh, I, I just want to encourage you to look into the scripture because I believe if you look into the scripture, you'll discover something that the disciples discovered. Let's look at it together. We'll finish this verse out. Verse 24. It says, then the disciples went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. It says, he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? Watch this. He commands. Can somebody say he commands? He commands even the winds and the waters and they obey him. Here's the takeaway I want to grab right here. 
While you and I may not be in a literal boat with a literal storm pounding against us at this moment, we all experience unexpected distractions that are attempting to keep us from our other side. And those distractions, listen, and when those distractions come, we need to try to do our best to remember that we have the same solution that the disciples did on that day, and his name is Jesus. Listen, if I could tell you anything, whatever you're going through, Jesus is the solution. Promise you that. Maybe we'll believe that. Jesus is the solution, right? So, listen, with all that said, here's what I want to do. I want to shift gears. This is where I had loads that I wanted to say, uh, but I don't have time, right? It would take me about another hour. Uh, so, I'm going to give you three quick things, and, and hopefully we'll let Jesus just, we'll just let Jesus read between the lines or talk to you between the lines, okay? All right. So, how do we distance ourselves from the negative effects of distractions? So that we can move closer to the other side. All right, so in my opinion, we've got to look at our solution. We've got to look at Jesus. Taking notes, number one, is that Jesus showed us how to handle distractions. Do you realize that there's a way to handle distractions? Do you understand that? So, so listen, I, what I've recognized, what I've seen, is a lot of times, including myself, we don't handle distractions well. So how do we handle distractions what I want to do today is not give you some one, one, two, three, A, B, C. I want to give you the heart of how we handle it, okay? So listen, just on that note, we talk about Jesus showed us how to handle distractions. As crazy as it may sound, I think sometimes we forget that Jesus was a man, right? And as a man, he faced the same types of challenges we do, which also include distractions. So think about this for a moment. In Mark chapter 5, right, we threw it up there. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house to raise his 12-year-old daughter from the dead. And as he's going, he's pressing through the crowd. What happens? A woman reaches out and grabs the hem of his garment, right? In Mark chapter 10, as Jesus was walking down the road, a man ran to him and he fell at Jesus' feet, literally fell in front of him and stopped him from moving forward because he had a question. Right? In Mark chapter 10, we see people bringing a bunch of kids to Jesus just so he could lay his hands on them and bless them. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus was speaking to a group of people and someone stopped him. Excuse me, dear sir, your mom's outside. She wants to have a word with you. Like mom showed up and interrupted the service, right? Like way to go, mom, right? In, in Luke 5, we, um, you know, basically we see that Jesus is speaking in another house uh, he, he's interrupted by four guys who start ripping the roof off the building so they can lower their paralyzed friend down through the roof. Now listen, that's just, I don't know, five examples or whatever it is. Uh, you know, that, that's not even us taking the time to mention all the sick and demon-possessed people that were constantly being brought to Jesus, right? Or the times people begged him to stay longer, the times people tried to kill him, right? Or the times that people called him a devil, all that opposition. Like, we're, we're not even mentioning all of that. But, but what I want to do is this, is however we want to dress those moments up, if we want to call them a divine appointment, if we want to call them an attack of the enemy, if we want to call them, you know, uh, the foolishness of man, a distraction is still a distraction, right? And Jesus had to manage it just like you and I do. So here's what I want us to notice, is without getting into all of the things that he said yes and he said no to, because he did say yes and he did say no, I simply want to ask you to notice how Jesus navigated or handled every distraction. And it's this way. In every biblical account we read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right in the Gospels, he handled the distractions that he faced with the utmost character and grace, all the while never faltering for a moment in his purpose. Y'all get that? 
Jesus never got sideways. He was kind. He was humble. He was patient, yet he was determined. Like, Lord, let us be like that. Right? Isn't it amazing how distractions come and, and we forget what it means to walk in the fruit of the Spirit? I do it, you do it. We're all guilty, right? And, and so, listen, I just think, man, in spite, in spite, once again, drive it home, of all the distractions he faced, he never lost sight of why he came. Like, it's amazing to me, and I wish I had time to go into this, but, but if you look at John 17, there's one part Jesus is praying, and, and he says, and he says this, he says basically, Father, I have completed the work that you sent me to do. Like, man, what an incredible thing to be able to stand before the Father one day and say, you know what, I completed the work that you called me to do. And then to even notice this, that when you fast forward, okay, all the way to the very last verse of John's gospel, he simply says this. In other words, how does he basically wrap up his, his telling about Jesus and his ministry? He says this. He said, basically, Jesus did many more things and if we actually took time to write them down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to even hold it. What was he saying? Is this guy's been really productive. That's what he was saying, right? And so here's the most productive man that ever lived. We should take notice, right? And so, in fact, I love what Dorothy Sayer says. She said this. She said, under all his gentleness, that humility, that kindness, there's a purpose harder than steel. Jesus, give us that. Because we need that if we're going to get to the other side and still be godly. Amen? Because you can get to the other side and be mean as crap. Okay? <laughs> but, but how can we get to the other side and still love people and have people still love us? Amen? Number two is Jesus showed us how to prioritize our time. Okay? There's loads I could get into this. But, but I want you to think about something. Jesus didn't walk around with a you know, with old daily planner. He didn't have an iPhone, uh, you know, an Apple Watch. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have a calendar. He didn't have a secretary. But yet he managed his time pretty good. Right? And the reason I think he managed his time really well is because uh, basically when you look throughout the Gospels, the constant priority for him of where, he's, where he said, you know what, here's where I'm going to without a doubt spend my time, it was with the Father. And I think there's something that we struggle with in consistency, yeah? It's like, listen, that above all that, that listen, that when I say this, that when he, let me say it how I want to say it. He prioritized his time with his father above all else. That's really what I want to get across. And that above all else meant before his family, before spending time with his disciples, before ministry, uh, before anything, before even sleep, he hung out with the father, right? And so a few examples are this. We see them all through the Gospels. I'm only going to read two. Mark 1.35. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Help us, Jesus, right? Right there. Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He went to spend time with the Father, right? Look at Luke 6, 12. It says, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Listen, this is pretty outstanding, especially when we stop to consider that nobody in Jerusalem had more things competing for their attention than him. Right? And yet Jesus always seemed to be able to discern the essential from the noise. We hear noise, we run in that direction. He stayed true to what was essential. By essential, I mean he spent time with the Father. Amen? So on that note, I, I think this is, is it appears like, and I'm, I'm trying to tell us something, including myself here, 
is that it seemed like Jesus had no issues unplugging from his busy schedule to pray. Yeah? Listen, when he got super busy, he prayed. When he needed to know who his 12 disciples were, he prayed. When his cousin was murdered, John the Baptist, guess what? The Bible says he prayed. So Jesus' answer for everything was prayer, right? And so basically he valued solitude or the secret place with his father, and so he made time for it. That's our hard part, right? Number three, third thing I wanted to get across. Once again, these don't necessarily tie together, but they do work together. Number three is Jesus offers us peace before we do anything. I like this one. And here's why. Are y'all with me? Here's why. It's because it is so contrary to the culture we live in today. Right? And, and so listen, as we all know, because we live in an ungodly society that doesn't know God, right? They tell us we have to do or accomplish something in order to discover, find, or earn peace. Right? But listen, as believers, the Bible tells us a few things. For starters, it says that we already have peace with God. We already have it, right? The Bible says that Jesus made peace through the blood of his cross. The Bible tells us that he has he's given us a peace that will guard our hearts and minds, right? Because why? Because we have been given. We're not waiting on. We have been given the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, and peace, and so forth. And maybe most importantly, the Bible tells us this, that Jesus himself is our peace. So how does this knowledge of this Really, how does it relate to our everyday lives? It's like this. The kids are going nuts. Instead of me lowering myself and meeting them there, I have peace. And I respond in peace. Right? We are facing a deadline at work. Instead of freaking out, ah, peace. Right? Something breaks again. Peace. Right? An unexpected bill shows up in the mail. Don't you love those? Peace. Right? Somebody says something catches you off guard. Once again, instead of meeting them there, that's my tendency. You, 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 you lower your level, well, I'm going to lower it, and I'm going to meet you there. And my wife says, you can't do that. It's my flesh, right? Peace. Like, have you ever noticed somebody's offended with you, it's easy to get offended with them? Somebody's rude to you, it's easy to get rude with them? Oh, God, I've done it a thousand times. Peace, right? So listen, Listen, if we sit there and we go, you know, I, I didn't check everything off of my to-do list today. We're frustrated. Peace. It's all right. Tomorrow's tomorrow. Right? It, in other words, it doesn't matter, once again, the distraction of how small or how big, there's peace available to us. Like, if I could get across to all of us to understand that he never said, you know, my peace only has this boundary and it goes no further. There's always peace. Right? And, and so I just think, once again, Because we aren't like the world, we don't have to sit back and wait for some difficulty to pass so we can find peace. So we can go back down to zero after we've been at 100. That's not how it works, right? We already have peace because the one who is the prince of peace is in the boat. He lives with us. He lives inside of us, right? Which means for us, please get a hold of this, is that peace is a person, not some elusive feeling we're trying to find, right? So therefore, we don't put our faith and our trust Right, once again, in, in some uh, ever-changing circumstance, we put our trust in the man, the God-man, Jesus. Right? All right, so I want to I close with the verse today, and I simply want to pray, and, and we'll be done. Okay? Uh, here's the verse I want to read to you. 
It says this. It says, and this I say for your own profit. It's 1 Corinthians 7.35. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper. Here's the part I want to read. That, that leash thing's a little weird. Okay. <laughs> it just is. All right. It says, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. That you may serve the Lord without distraction. So listen, in context, Paul is talking about marriage. Okay? In other words, he's saying it's, it's better for you to get married than to burn. That's what he's talking about in context. If you're single, you like that verse. All right. So, um, but I just think, man, in the grand scheme of things, that this is God's heart for every area of our lives. That we would serve him when it comes to our family. Serve him when it comes to our kids. Serve him when it comes to our jobs. Serve him, you name it, whatever, without distraction. He has a purpose for us being there, and so we go get it. Amen? Because he's trying to get us to another side. Amen? So, real quick, can, can we just sit by waving a hand saying, you know what? Um, I realize that I struggle with distractions. Yeah, amen. Like, like who doesn't, right? Yeah. So let's pray, and let's ask Jesus for help. Amen? Father, we understand that when we read the word that Jesus was extremely determined, that he was on mission, that he had purpose, that even as we've been talking about for weeks now, that he realized he had a limited amount of time on this planet and he had things to get done. And Lord, in the midst of all the chaos that was going around him, God, he stayed, uh, God really fixed and he really stayed running in the direction that you called him to. And so Lord, today, I, at least for myself, Lord, I realized that uh, it seems like Jesus was very purposeful and I end up being very distracted. And Lord, I think that's probably a lot of us. So Father, we're just simply asking for help today. That's it. Lord, we're asking for help. Would you ask us, uh, we ask that you would simply help us uh, to, Lord, to fix our gaze upon the thing that you've called us to. God, that we wouldn't get distracted by the storms and the squalls of this life. Uh, Lord, we wouldn't respond to them in a negative way. But, Lord, we would just fix our gaze upon you, that we would look to the author and the finisher of our faith. And, Lord, as we run, uh, God, after you, God, that we would keep our heart right. God, that you would help us manage our time. God, so we do make you a priority. And, uh, and Lord, I guess most of all, that we would just simply walk in peace with you uh, because, God, you've given it to us. It's not something we got to find. You've already given it. And so, Lord, we pray that when all the chaos is going on, Lord, we would look on the inside and we would respond from that position of peace. So, Lord, thank you for just helping us in this today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.